Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Dan Carson, and I want to welcome you to another conversation about student ministry. Now, on tonight's podcast, I have two guys with me that I've known for a long time. They have been doing student ministry since the 1900s. Do you like that, guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're old. We get it. Yep. Not as I, old as Dan, though. No. Well, Jason's a hair older, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, it, it, I was at a concert just this past week, and somebody pointed out that, that fact that it was the 1900s. And that these new guys, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, I feel old. But guess what? We're talking about student ministry with some guys that have been doing it for a long time. They've been involved in a variety of ways. And we want to talk about something maybe that hasn't been phrased just this way, but we want to talk about marketplace student ministry. Both of these guys are involved in the public schools. And so they are around students all the time. And so they're taking their ministry with them as they work with students, as they are involved in their lives there. And so we want to uh, just ask them a few questions about that and how that works in their lives. Our first guest is Jason Burns. He served as an associate pastor for the past 30 years and worked in the areas of students and worships and other duties as assigned by the pastor. Yeah. We've all been there, haven't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he currently serves on the rotation for the worship team at Calvary Baptist Church in Fayetteville with his wife, Jana. Um, They have two grown children who are about to graduate from Central Baptist College as a part of the class of 2021. The Burns family served as missionaries to a church plant in Colorado for 15 years before moving back to Arkansas last summer. Jason is finishing his 13th year of teaching music in school and currently serves in the Lincoln School District. Thanks for being on the program, Jason. Thanks for having me. This is an honor. I appreciate it. Well, our other guest is Joel Young. Joel has spent 26 years in ministry with the past 13 at his current church, Summers Missionary Baptist Church in Summers, Arkansas. He graduated with a BS from Central Baptist College in Organizational Management and a Master of Education from Liberty University in School Counseling. He has two dogs, dachshunds named Frankie and Jojo. I love that you included your dog's name. (laughs) We hey, have they're dogs. my kids. They are. Fur babies are, are, are awesome. Um, they are, he is also on the leadership team for Ozarks Baptist and Camden and the Association of Baptist Students at the University of Arkansas. Joel, thanks for being on the program. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Well, both of these guys I've known for a long time. Um, they're an important part of my life. Um, they've been friends in the ministry And I'm just thrilled that I can have a chance to talk to them for a few minutes tonight as we talk about this this concept of marketplace student ministry. Kind of different, but I think it's important for us to look at. But before we get into our conversation, let me just stop and thank our sponsor, Central Baptist College of Conway. Now, you may be a student yourself, meaning that you're trying to finish up your education and maybe you went through a couple of years and now you're trying to figure out how do I wrap it up? 
Well, contact them at cbc.edu and they can help you through the process of being involved in their PACE program. But maybe you are a student pastor that has some juniors and seniors trying to figure out what are they going to do next school year? Have them contact CBC as well, and they can get them on track for a great college experience. So you you give them a look at cbc.edu. Now, guys, I want our people to get to know you a little bit better. Um, and so maybe you could just tell us a little bit some about yourself that's not necessarily in the bio that I asked for. Uh, maybe something unusual, or it doesn't have to be unusual, just so that our, our listeners can know you a little bit better. Let's start with you, Jason. Well, I did grow up in church. I uh, got a very rich uh, church heritage, very thankful for the family that uh, took me to church, like, you know, from the time I was uh, one week old. <laughs> uh, my dad was a deacon. My mom was an organist. My grandfather was a preacher. Fun fact, my grandfather actually pastored a church right down the road from Pueblo. Whenever my dad was five, uh, my aunt told me this later after we moved there. And so one time when my dad was out, we actually went down to this little town and tried to find their home that they lived in when he was five oh, wow. years old. So that was kind of cool. But he pastored all over the place and went to CBC, just like you guys. Uh, and I also got my master's in Liberty. I didn't include that, but that's kind of cool. I didn't know that you had that, Joel. Been married almost 28 years. Our our kids are part of CBC Legacy now, and it's kind of cool when we go back to see them, we see all of our friends because their kids are in choir with my kids. So like my daughter just had her senior recital with uh, Lauren Hager, and we were in choir with the Hagers. And uh, so that was kind of cool. Never imagined myself teaching in school. It kind of came out of necessity (laughs) when the recession of 08 hit. Our church was supposed to to take over the full salary from the missions department. I had been on mission status, and they were just unable to. And uh, they could they could come up with half, but not all of it. And quote unquote, it just so happened that my wife uh, was working at this school out there that she was working half time music, half time math, and they needed her to go full time in math. So they knew they needed a halftime music teacher. And she told me, she said, Jason, you need to do this. This would be great. I mean, I can't see you doing anything else. And, you know, like, I mean, sure, you can go work at a restaurant or whatever. You know, there's there's jobs out there that you could do. But you, you just be and I, I didn't really believe her at first. I'm like, no, I don't think I could do that. And uh, but the more I prayed about it and thought about it, I'm like, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to take the chance and do it. I think see if the Lord's in it, you know, the opportunity and it. I was hired and haven't looked back. So it it was just kind of an interesting turn of events that I wasn't planned on. But, you know, we all have those uh, times in our life where the Lord just presents something to you and you're going, "Okay, I never, never thought of this. The the move to Colorado was the same way. I'd never I never thought about living outside of the South, but it was a great experience. And we we loved our time out there. So just, yeah, uh, the journey of life takes you. And, and now we're back in North Arkansas. So it, that's just, it's, it's kind of neat to see where the Lord takes you if you just sit back and let him lead you. What is great in that story is that God provided a, a fantastic opportunity that fits your personality and your gifting and your education, 
all at the exact right time. Right, right. Yeah. Just so happened. I love right. how, and you can't see the air quotes that right. we all made when we right. said that, but that's exactly how it worked. And so that was great. Well, thanks, Jason. Joel, how about you? Is uh, Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, as you said in my bio, I've been at Summers Missionary Baptist Church for 13 years. Ironically, that's the church that I grew up in. My dad pastored there from 83 until about 1999, and then he came back in the fall of 2007. At that time, I was working for the BMA Church in the state of Nevada in Las Vegas, and I came in for Thanksgiving. And as I was sitting in the airport getting ready to fly back to Vegas, the chairman of the deacons called me and said, would you consider moving to Arkansas, back to Arkansas, and being our youth pastor here at Summers? And I immediately said, no, there's no way I can work with my dad. But it's ironic that my entrance, now I will say that God has used that and then we work together very well most of the time and every once in a while we have to have one of those hard conversations. But my entrance into the field of education was quite a bit like Jason's. It was circumstantial. I'd been in banking for about eight years and I loved it and I was poised to move into mortgage lending, which at the time was a very lucrative field and I was poised to become a very wealthy man. And the bank that I was working for in Las Vegas that shall remain nameless asked me to do some very unethical things. And I refused and was pretty much told that at that point it was time for me to write my letter of resignation. So I did. And I left behind a career that I had loved for eight years. And I didn't know what I was going to do next. I worked for a Christian bookstore for a short period of time and then got a chance to become a substitute teacher in Clark County, Nevada. And very quickly, I went from being a day-to-day sub where you go from class to class and get things thrown at you and all those things. And I was picked up by a school to be a third grade teacher to a class of students that was so interesting that they had ran two teachers off that year. I was their third teacher in one year. Wow, wow. And the next year, I took an assignment teaching humanities, which was test-taking skills. I know how much we love taking tests. And there was a class of fifth graders at that school that yet again was so terrible. Their first teacher called the school the week after Thanksgiving and said, I quit. They hired another teacher. I was in Dallas for the National Youth Pastors Conference, The Great Escape, and got a phone call. Hey, this class of fifth graders has ran the second teacher off. When you get back, you're no longer the humanities teacher. You're going to be teaching this fifth grade class. So I very quickly um, moved into those, moved back to Arkansas, did discipline and attendance at Lincoln Schools, where Jason now works, and then transferred to Salem Springs. And one day my principal walked up to me and she said, I was the administrative assistant. She said, Joel, why aren't you a counselor? And I gave her a long list of reasons. And she says, well, you need to be a counselor. You're already doing the job and you've got the skills. And so I went back to Liberty University and I'm finishing up my fourth year as the school counselor. And as Jason said, this is never a field that I saw myself in as an adult. When I was a kid, I thought I wanted to be a teacher. And I'll talk about that more in a few minutes. <laughs> well, it, it again, it is just amazing to see how God works and puts us in those right places at the right time. Um, when I was moved, when I moved back to Northwest Arkansas and was trying to figure out a the financial situation, how to support my family after a, um, we had tried to plant a church here in Northwest Arkansas, I thought, what am I going to do? And um, lo and behold, God provided a job and then God provided another job. And he just does that when we need it. Well, again, one of the things that we do or have done in the past here on this podcast is we have a random question of the week. It's not so random uh, for this one, but it is kind of fits with this. And so maybe you could tell us about the, the most impactful teacher or administrator in your school education. How about it, Joel? 
Well, probably the most impactful teacher that I ever had was a man named Dwayne Webb, who was my FFA instructor. And my entrance into that organization was I did not want to be an FFA. I thought those were classes just for farm kids. And I was not a farm kid and had no desire to be in farming. My dad insisted whenever I was doing those CAP conferences um, in my eighth grade year that I at least take one ag class. And Mr. Webb saw some potential in me that I had missed and that other people had missed and um, took me from a shy kid, but that talked a lot to a young man with confidence that could speak in front of a crowd through parliamentary procedure and dairy judging. And I'll never forget the the things that Mr. Webb saw in me that have now helped me hopefully to mentor other people. So Dwayne Webb was the most impactful teacher that I ever had. Mm. How about you, Jason? Well, I had to, I, I can't narrow it down to one. I've got two. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, so I've got, for, for high school, I had a teacher named Mrs. Merritt who was a math teacher and she taught the advanced classes and she had a very high expectation of her students. And yet she allowed us to be our own individual. It, it was kind of more of one of those classes that you all would love to teach where it was just a good flow of conversation where it didn't get out of hand. And if it ever got out of hand, she could tamp it down. But it, it was one of those things where we all wanted to be there because it was it was more of an elective math. It wasn't the required math. So right. like we all wanted to be there, but she just, she made it fun. She made it interesting. She was humorous. But I think the thing that impacted me the most was how she allowed her faith to shine through in very small ways. For example, she would allow us to have a quote moment of silence before the test. Uh-huh. And at the beginning of the year, she said, you can do whatever you want to. You can pray to your God. You can meditate. You can think about the, but you just, you can go to sleep, whatever, you know? Yeah. But So she allowed us to have that moment of silence. Right. Right. And that was kind of the, that was kind of the catchphrase back then in the eighties was the, the moment of silence, because that was kind of the beginnings of taking prayer out of schools and that, that kind of thing. And so that was kind of an acceptable way of, of allowing students to pray. And I, I appreciated that as a student, that she would allow us who were believers to take a moment, pray, gather our thoughts, that kind of thing. So she and also a quick memory that I had, uh, we had a classmate who died in a car wreck like Christmas break of our freshman year in college. So we just had, you know, graduated a few months earlier and she was one of the only teachers that came to the funeral. Uh, so that was kind of huge at, at CBC. I had to go with Miss Hannah. She was, uh, she was very strict. Yeah. I got big smiles, but she was so impactful. She had a huge high expectation. Obviously she taught the classes about, teaching choir to children, teaching choir to youth. And some of the things are kind of like, you know, you roll your eyes like, ah, that's not going to work. But I had the opportunity to be the worship leader at her church. So she was the accompanist for me for the worship service. And that was, that was totally interesting, you know? And so she did children's choir. I got to like, not only learn from her, but like be her assistant in church, in the setting, and, you know, there was some old school things she did that, that I could I felt like I could update when I, but I, I learned on the job, really. And uh, and we were in Sunday school class together. Her husband was our Sunday school teacher. So I, I just spent a lot of time with her. She she uh, had me uh, teach piano. So we had like a piano studio and she was our main teacher and she had all the guidelines. And she I mean, she didn't let us get run over 
by uh, by the families at all. Like we got paid if we didn't get if we were not paid, we did not teach. Period. So like there was none of this. We'll give you a lesson until you can pay. So she she looked out for us, and I mean she expected a lot, but she also had your well being in mind. Um, you know, and so I, I just had to give credit to her because you know she built on the things that I had already learned from my mom, who was my music teacher all growing up my piano teacher, she, she gave me a very good foundation and Joan just took it and expanded it. So mm. our Rachel, our daughter, middle name is Hannah after the Hannahs. Didn't I know did if you know, knew that or not. I did not know yeah. that was the reason. Why. I did That's not know awesome. that. Joel, Miss, you had Hannah, something Miss Hannah told me one morning in piano class that I didn't really know how to play the piano because <laughs> I was playing by ear and not by reading the music. And I thought, <laughs> why should I read the music if I could just hear it and play it? Yeah, then she yeah. kicked me out of class when she modeled the piece for the next class after that. So then I had to learn how to read the music. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I could see that totally. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, and the the simple thing is. Our school years are are huge. Our teachers there, whether they're math or music, they are FFA. <laughs> uh, you know, they they impact us in big ways. I know my band director in high mm-hmm. school, Pat Ellison, incredible right. woman who broke down barriers of all sorts and pushed excellence. I have no idea about her spiritual life. I would like to think that she is a believer, but I don't know. But I do know that she made a huge impact in my life. Well, you know, this idea of school, that's kind of what we're talking about. These guys are in the schools. And so we refer to marketplace ministry as that ministry that's being done in, in your job or on the, on the spot. Well, these guys are doing marketplace ministry with students. I mean, they are there in the trenches dealing with whether it is school that is music or whether it is dealing with counseling issues, all sorts of things like that. But they've both have been full-time and they've both been part-time. And so I do have a, a couple of questions for you in that regard. What are some of the challenges that you face serving in the bivocational role? Jason, what were some of those specific things that were challenges for you? I think the biggest challenge for me was time. Yes. Since I was, since I started, when I started teaching and it was halftime for church and school and Everyone in ministry knows that halftime in ministry is halftime pay. Yes. <laughs> it's not halftime with time. So, you know, there was that element of balance. I, I One thing that I did, I, I learned to be a little more disciplined because my classes were in the afternoon and I would make sure that I would get up with Jana, go to work, drop her off. And then I would work in church at the church in the morning. So I, I made myself have office hours, you know, and a lot of times it it depends on different churches. I've had different levels of office hours that were flexible and very non-flexible at at different places. It's like you had, you had to have office hours or, and and there's times where you don't, or you're expected to be there, but there's more flex. Like, you know, you've got an event that, you know, that evening or whatever, you you have a little ebb and flow to that, but you're, I had to manage my time a little better. And as I worked at school, it just worked more into full time. So I basically was full time at school and still have time at church, coaching soccer, developing a theater program at our school, being involved in the community theater. Also, just a lot. And you, as the longer you are somewhere, the more you say yes to things. And you, <laughs> we just got ourselves entrenched in so many different areas. Um, I even signed up to be in a second community theater group. <laughs> so it was 
the time was probably my, the the biggest uh, element for me. Just and, and a lot of it was I allowed myself to be in too many things. I've I've learned since that it is okay to say no. I, I'm so bad at it, but I I made myself when I moved to say to say I'm not going to be involved in anything extra besides my job and church for a year. And so I've almost made it. I've already committed to do something this summer, but <laughs> I made it through my first year. <laughs> uh, yeah, Wade's been hounding me about joining the yeah. city of Arkansas. So I'm, I'm going to jump in on that. I wanted to do that, but I thought I want Of course, they haven't been meeting anyway. So because <laughs> of all the singing regulations, you know, with the pandemic and all. But Joel, uh, how about you? You got a challenge that you faced being bivocational besides the time issue that Jason? I think that's probably been the biggest challenge for me as well is just figuring out how to manage my time. Everybody knows that I am not a morning person. Um, I fake being a morning person about two weeks out of the year. One of those weeks is church camp where we have to get up and sing perky songs first thing in the morning. And the other couple of days um, are whenever we're at SOAR and the rest of the time. I don't like to get up early. And so um, really having to learn how to manage my time and to to take notes and to write down what mm. things I've committed myself to, because I'm really, really bad about saying, yes, I can do that. Yes, I can do that. And then I get an email. Where is this? And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. So I've had to make sure to take really good notes and write down what I commit to so that I can remember when I have commitments. Well, now I do know that there's a flip side to it. Having been bivocational for part of my ministry, what are some of the advantages? Joel, I think you probably have one or two, don't you? Well, I mean, aside from the fact that I love being able to uh, to have multiple aspects of my life, it enables me to use different gifts and different skills. But especially related to the to the school system, there are so many similarities whenever you break it down between what I do at the church and what I do at the school. Um, I'm not able to break out the Bible and say, here, we're going to have Bible study as part of, you know, Tuesdays with Mr. Joel, which is our social and emotional curriculum. Or today during Words of Wisdom Wednesday, one of the kids asked me a question. And other kids said, that's about the Bible. You can't answer that. And I said, well, I can answer these questions within reason. They said, well, what's the difference? I said, well, I can't break out the Bible and have a sermon and invite all of y'all to the altar at the end. But if you ask me specific questions, I'm more than happy to answer them. And so I love being able to utilize different gifts. And um, it's good for the church, um, for the community to see us involved in the things that are going on. Um, Dan, you're the announcer for the uh, for the uh, the football at Lincoln, and um, I was a volunteer firefighter, and so that's another way that we can get involved in the school system. And so I think that's the biggest advantage is it gives me more ways to reach out to people. How about you, Jason? Yeah, same. And I thought of it as being involved in the community every day. Uh, you know, when I was full time in ministry, I made the effort to do that, but I had to schedule it and I had to right. um, make the effort to do it. Whereas right now it's it's part of who I am and part of what I do every day. So it's kind of automatically built in. Like Joel said, it, it expands your connection and your relationships with people in the community, which provides you opportunity to serve. And so, yeah, and I'm pulled in Dan for the announcing, but it was so awesome to have him there announcing the games. It's like, everybody's like, Oh, he's so good. And I was like, I know. I was sitting there at the first football game and I thought, I recognize that yeah. voice. Who is that? This is, this is Dan Carson. I'm like, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Well, I got to tell you, I, I love that. I, I love getting involved in the community. And like both of you said, well, Jason, specifically, you said you had to be intentional and schedule it when you were full time at church. And that's what I've had to do, right. um, whether it's involvement in a band booster club, or, you know, the boosters for band or whatever. You had to be intentional, whereas you guys, you show up for work. And guess what? There are students all around you. So, you know, I love that you both have landed in schools as your primary source of, well, of income and and vocation. I mean, I know that as as you both have shared, there's no there's no part time ministry. If you're in ministry, you're in ministry. Right. You know, and as I look at it, it's kind of the ultimate student ministry, though, what you're doing. You're seeing students every day. And I also know that there are some unique challenges to wanting to show Jesus to students and the realities of being in a public school, because that's where you both find yourselves. You're not in a quote unquote Christian school. Um, so what does that look like? How do you show Jesus to these students who have such a range of beliefs and um, you have their limitations? If you cross a line, you can put your job in jeopardy. So how about you, Jason? Well, I, and one of the challenges that I've noticed is that your your witness is tested a little more because you do run into mm. more people and have conversations that are different than yours and sometimes very contrary and belligerent at times. So I have, you know, you have to watch yourself whenever you run into that uh, belligerent person who is like anti-Christian and very vocal about it. Uh, but you just have to be like Jesus and be, use, you know, the attitude of Jesus and, and love. And um, I don't get into debate with people. If there's a disagreement, I just, um, you know, listen, I, I think I'm a pretty good listener. So I, I like to think that I, by listening, it, it'll give them a chance to share and then they can reciprocate, you know, and, and listen as well. Um, one of the things when I moved here that I really wanted to make sure is that I did not lose my temper. Uh, in Colorado, there were a few times where I lost it, you know, and you, you just, you, you had all you can have, you know, and uh, I, I really prayed about that. My wife and I prayed together every night and that was like a constant for me. It's like, I, I just don't want to mess this up. I don't want to blow my top. I don't want to be that person again and uh, just submit myself to the control of the Holy Spirit and when there's a tough situation, just catch your breath. <laughs> You know, there may be some internal butterflies or some, and, and there are times you still have, you have to be, you have to be uh, stern and, but you don't have to be angry and to be stern. And, and I have really tried to give that to the Lord so that I can be, you know, speak the truth, have that love as well, but also not let them get away with things, you know? <laughs> um, and, and like you said, you do have to kind of watch what you say, but like, Joel said, if somebody asks you a question, you're free to answer. Uh, I had the awesome opportunity a few weeks ago. uh, One of the English classes was writing a story about their own beliefs, their life belief. I I can't remember how he exact phrase. I think he said beliefs. And he asked for volunteers. I immediately volunteered. And so I got to share the gospel in an English class uh, because it was my belief. And they asked me questions. And uh, I, I gave a very small, you know, one, two sentence explanation uh, about it. But, you know, the teacher, I, I point blank asked him, if, can I share about my faith? He said, absolutely. You know, just 
he he told me to be specific. Don't just say I believe in God, but share what because there's so many beliefs out there. Right. Share right. your you know your specific belief, and I, I just appreciate that opportunity that I had. The Lord just I felt like handed it to me in a you know on a platter. <laughs> well, Joel, do you have anything to add to add to what Jason shared? I've learned that a lot of my ministry type things occur in the situations that just happen. My principal uses the term organically um, and not in the planned time that I have, or I'm going to have a planned session with this student, or this is the planned time that we're going to have our, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, Tuesdays with Mr. Joel. Um, those times whenever I'm sitting outside on lunch duty and um, some of the kids are playing ball and a few of them are just gathered around and we have chats. But I think probably the biggest um, challenge that I've had um, is like Jason said, that we're constantly on display. I don't hide the fact that I'm a Christian. I don't hide the fact that I'm a pastor. And several years ago, whenever I was working um, at Lincoln, actually, um, one Wednesday night, several of the kids in my youth group began to tell me about how that day in science class, they had just stood up and dressed their teacher down for this teacher's views on evolution. And that's what they were talking about at the time. And they had told this teacher that they were um, that they were wrong and that the Christians were right and that evolution was bad and all these things. And I don't disagree with what the students were saying. But I asked them, I said, are you being respectful? Or did you show that teacher the respect and the honor that they deserved? And they looked at me. And finally, one of the girls said, I think we need to go need to go and apologize to this teacher tomorrow. He came to me. Oh, I wasn't going to use the gender. He came to me later in the day. I was trying to keep this person's identity private, but he doesn't work there at that school anymore. Came to me and said, some kids from your church were probably the most Christian I've ever seen somebody act earlier today. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, they came to me and apologized to me for the way they acted in my class yesterday. And he goes, I'm never going to be a Christian. But if I ever decided to be, I think I would want to know the Jesus that your kids showed me today and that wow. you try to live. And I thought, wow, I'm always being watched, even when I don't know I'm being watched. Yep. Wow, Joel. Man. And I still pray for that guy. Yeah. I think we all should. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you guys are on, as you said, you're on display. Your students see you the entire time. I had music teachers, Jason, that threw batons at uh, <laughs> students. <laughs> Everyone had a band teacher uh-huh. that threw yeah. things. <laughs> stuff. Except for Mr. Burns out at Lincoln. He doesn't throw things. Yeah. I yeah. Had <laughs> you know, and so it is, it's, it's just that reality. You're out there with students. And I love that you are, well, again, the phrase that we're, we're using tonight, uh, marketplace student ministry, you are out in the marketplace, you are out in the world, and you're able to do ministry with students in a very real place where they're at. You know, a lot of student pastors are trying to figure out how to get back into schools because they've all been, mm-hmm. been eliminated. Well, guess what? You have easy access. I mean, you have a a card that scans to unlock the doors or, you know, you have a key to get into your office. I mean, it's just incredible. Jason, you got something to share? Yeah. It was, it was funny. We had a conversation the other day in class about, um, uh, degrees and what degree I had. And, uh, I said, somebody assumed that I had both my degrees, degrees were in music. I said, actually my second degree is in religion, uh, with an emphasis in worship. And they're like, Oh, one of the kids said, does that mean you can preach? And I said, yeah. And they said, cool. And that was it. You know, <laughs> they, they went on from there. And so it's like those moments were just kind of 
fun to where they find out a little bit about me without it being, you know, it, like I said, it was organic. It was very organic. Yeah. It, it was in the context of class. And, um, yeah, so it, it, there's been a couple instances like that where they find out and I, and I don't hide it. I was like, I used to be you pastor. I know, I know how this works. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I know, I know what you're doing right now. <laughs> oh, well, let me ask a, a final kind of final question here. Having experienced both full-time and bivocational ministry, what would you say to a young man or a woman about their education as they look at serving in the future? You know, you guys have ended up in a place that you didn't originally start. I mean, that was, you didn't intend to be a counselor and you didn't intend to be a music teacher, but that's where God placed you. So is there anything that you might say to a, to a young man or woman who's about to enter college, um, trying to determine what they should get their education in? Joel, you got anything to add in there? I think one of the first things that I think of whenever whenever I ask this question is that my dad gave me the advice a long time ago to get a degree from a Christian university, but to have a degree that was a little bit more versatile. My uh, my bachelor's degree is in organizational management, which means I'm fully qualified to run an office. And I learned a lot of things because I was at a Christian college about how to work in an organization ethically and how to lead an organization ethically. But that was after much prayer. Um, my first year at CBC, I was a, uh, a music major. And um, then I went to the University of Arkansas for a year and I was a kinesiology major because that helped me get into some classes I needed. And then I took a break. And I went back to CBC, and at that point, I really sat down and I prayed and asked God, what do you want me to study? And that's whenever he led me to the PACE program and the uh, and the organizational management. But that degree is something that I can utilize both in the church work and in secular work if necessary. Mm. But the advice I would give is that full-time ministry may or may not be the be-all, end-all for you. And God cares about even the small things, and he has a plan. And so you need to figure out what that plan is and um, then pursue an education that works towards that. And I highly recommend CBC. Go Mustangs. <laughs> Go Mustangs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about you, you, Jason? What would be your advice? Well, the first thing I thought of was like follow God's leading. I mean, it sounds kind of trite, but it's not. Um, it's it's super important to spend prayer. Um, mm. I was kind of more narrow in my thinking. I had a church music degree with a youth ministry minor, but I was able to use the music to to get a job. And then uh, you, you they called it an emergency license. So I was granted an emergency teaching license so that I could work on getting the education hours. And I did that through an alternative program. And it was one Saturday every other week for a year. And I was fully certified as just as if I had gone through the education program. Um, and so there are ways uh, to do that. Um, don't be afraid to go for it. If you have an opportunity right. to be bivocational, it's kind of scary sounding. And, you know, you think whenever you're called to ministry that that full time is it. Um, and it could be, you know, we we do need uh, I think churches need some full time. Uh, maybe there's different seasons. Like for me, I was always full time until 08. Um, and so I spent much of my life being a full-time, uh, pastor and, um, but you know, it was a little scary. I'm not going to lie. Just, just know that it's, you can survive (laughs) and thrive. I I feel like I have thrived and 
you know, we need Christians in education. We really do. And so like, if, if you feel like, uh, that's something and CBC does have an education program. And so I, I feel like that's something that, that students need. They need to see healthy, uh, adults. They need to see people that have it together. So many kids don't have that. Uh, that's one of the things about teaching is you get to be all these other roles than teaching. So be aware if you're a teacher, you have many hats you wear, just like if you're in ministry, like you, you have to counsel them. You have to encourage them with the state of our country. You're now also your own little police officer in your room. Um, that's kind of scary. So that's, that's a reality check. You know, sometimes you're a parent. Uh, sometimes kids are come from a, a home where they need a little more guidance. And so you can be that parent for them. Uh, we have an elder in our church who has a master's in Christian leadership, and he's using it in the business world. So yeah. uh, like I said, a Christian education or, or something that you, you can use. It, 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 don't think inside the box. I, I'm kind of grew up like thinking very narrowly about things and being in the box. And the longer I've lived, I've tried to let God bring me out of that box and show me other options. So be open to options, I guess, to summarize. That's a, that's a great word. I mean, it really is seeking God's guidance and then being willing to follow wherever that leads because goodness, you know, uh, would I have sketched out my lifetime of ministry exactly the way it's gone? No. Um, but I wouldn't change it. I mean, this is where I'm at now and, uh, I'm, I'm blessed by that. And so, well, guys, I'm just so thrilled that you've taken some time that you're on the, been on the program with us. Um, do you have anything else that you want to add, uh, to this conversation before we wrap up? I would just say to whatever you end up doing, or if you're like people in ministry right now, see, see yourself as uh, serving the Lord, no matter where you are, bloom where you're planted kind of idea. And, you know, you know, God has you where you are for a reason. It may seem, uh, unapparent at the moment. Uh, maybe people are going through times I've, I've been, you guys probably have too. I've been through very difficult times in ministry where you just want to quit. Yes. And, um, I've always lived by the motto, the Lord led me here and it's going to be the Lord that takes, takes me from here. I'm not going to just jump if, if there's a problem. And so I'm just stubborn enough to not do that. (laughs) It could be be the problem, but I don't know. Uh, But, you know, you are, you always go through problems wherever you are and there's always people, you know, (laughs) so you always have to work with people and there's always difficulty. So just hang in there, you know, and allow the Lord to, we've, we've always lived our life by this motto of there's a push and a pull. So like whenever we have, thought about moving, there needs to be, I feel like somewhere else to go. I've, I've heard other people where, you know, they, they kind of are a little more free about it and they resign and they don't have anything else to do. I think the Lord just knows that that is not bent that way. So anytime we've moved, um, he has always prepared for somewhere else. Uh, Mm. like there may be a pull towards something or a push away and it usually happens at the same time for the Lord's timing to be right. Both moving to Colorado and moving back, um, you know, it was a pretty quick turnaround. Uh, But not to say that if it's not, that the Lord's not in it. Um, I just give thanks to the Lord that that's the way it worked for us. I've heard of people that were just kind of left hanging for a year 
and and they just have to live by faith. And I've just seen the Lord work, you know, selling houses quickly when it was not necessarily a good market. Or uh, we bought and sold our house last summer online, sight unseen. So the people that bought our house in Colorado had never seen it. And a house we're in now, we'd never seen it. <laughs> so that's kind of crazy. <laughs> but, um, you know, when the Lord's in it, you, it and it feels right and, and it works out. Mike Harland, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He is a former head of uh, Lifeway Worship, uh, shared a, a statement on his podcast talking about that idea that you just explained, Jason. This idea that God calls us to places, rarely does he call us away from places. And that's kind of how I'm bent as well. I'm just stubborn enough that, you know, I, I need to know, okay, God, where do you want me to go? And uh, I love that. I just love that. Joel, you got anything you want to add to the conversation before we wrap? Just kind of want to echo what Jason said. I, as I look back over my life and the different types of jobs that I had, I remember whenever I moved down to CBC in, in the fall of 1996. So, yes, I've been out of high school 25 years this year. Um, I had to take a job working at McDonald's. And um, I was the only person that went to CBC that worked there. Everybody else either went to UCA or Hendricks or they were in high school and uh, people were watching me there. And then mm. um, as I transitioned and worked for a grocery store and then for the bank, um, I think that ministry has always been an aspect of my life wherever I'm at. And I think that's what we all need to strive for because that's our job as Christians is to shine his light in a world that desperately needs it. And I thank God that he's given me the opportunity to do that in many places, but now in the public school system with kids who might not have heard about this man named Jesus. Yeah, yeah. that's a great word, Joel. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for uh, for sharing tonight. And thank you listeners for for downloading and joining us as we continue the conversation about student ministry. This is uh, such a joy to hear about Jason and Joel as they work in the public school and work with students and are able to impact lives in ways that some of us who are perhaps in a full-time setting just don't have those opportunities right now. And so as they've worked and navigated the pandemic, working with students, uh, just so many things uh, that we could we could sit and talk about and share about, but I've just been so thankful for them. You know, we do all of these things. We work hard. We serve students. Why? Because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.